0: Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl.
1: So where are you based out of? Uh,
0: St. Joseph, Missouri. Okay. And you can call it Northwest Missouri if you want. It doesn't matter either way. Okay.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the short-term show. Today we have Ryan Profit, an investor from Missouri who has a mix of short-term and long-term rentals. How's it going today, Ryan?
0: Doing well. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself to start off, like where you came from, how you got started in real estate?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, northwest Missouri, about an hour north of Kansas City. Uh, I've been married for 13 years to my wife, Jessica, three children, and I've been in the Air National Guard for 20 years.
1: That's awesome. Uh, we I love when we have military investors on the show. Thank you for your service.
0: I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> awesome. So tell me a little bit about how you got into real estate
0: uh so you know i had a couple live-in flips you know i just bought a couple houses fixed them up uh i've been in and out of construction for my whole life essentially and made a little money on them and i I thought you know i see people out here doing this you know how can i get involved and and at that point i kind of um i bought jay scott's the book on flipping houses and i happened to google him and his interview on bigger pockets popped up and then from then um I just kept letting them auto play, and I just basically started listening to all that, and it kind of got my mind uh, spinning pretty fast.
1: Bigger Pockets gets a lot of people into <laughs> investing. I know I I bought my first investment before I knew what Bigger Pockets was, and I'm really lucky that that didn't go really badly. But once I figured it out and started listening, I mean, you can just learn so much for free on Bigger Pockets.
0: Absolutely, yes, I would agree with that fully.
1: So uh, Ryan, what was your first real estate investment? What did that look like?
0: Okay, so that was an eightplex. Uh, my dad actually lived there. I was visiting him one day and I physically counted the doors. I said, eight, you know, eight's, eight's good, right? Uh, seemed good, like a good start. A lot of people start with one or a duplex. I thought if I could start with eight and I actually took a loan out uh, from the career started loan through the military. Uh, I had just commissioned as an officer, it's $25,000 and I partnered up with another Air National Guard member who was already a real estate investor uh, at the time. And that's that's how I got started, October of 19.
1: Awesome, so you haven't been at it too terribly long then?
0: No, ma'am, I haven't. I kind of um, jumped in and kind of put my foot on the gas, eased up, and now I'm full throttle all the way, so.
1: That's how it happens a lot of times. <so> Uh, switching gears a little bit, what do you have in your short-term portfolio?
0: Okay. So I have two properties. Um, one is, they're both actually technically in Gatlinburg. Uh, one's actually up on the mountain as I call it. And then the other one's out East a little bit, um, kind of on the way to Cosby out there. And uh, I just closed on the second one in March. Um, and my wife jokes, it's actually her property technically. So, um, and then the first one was July of 20 is when we closed on that one.
1: Cool. And what size are those? What do those look like uh, size wise?
0: Okay, sure. Yeah. So the first one is a um, true three, two uh, with a loft. Um, and then it's around probably 1500 square feet. And then the second one that we just closed on is, is in a neighborhood. Um, it is about uh, 12 to 1300 square feet and it's a two, two um, with a loft. And what I did on that one was I put a queen over queen bunk in the loft, like a lot of people do. And uh, so I guess for all intents and purposes, it's more like a three two. But yeah, technically it's a two two.
1: Okay, cool. And what made you choose Gatlinburg? Or what? Actually, let me back up a little bit before that. What made you choose short term rentals after buying an Aplex?
0: Okay, so that's the funny story. I guess not so funny, but it uh, might not be a surprise to you guys. But I was in bigger pockets, and I was in the short term rental forum. I don't know how I ended up there. I was just reading through and people kept saying, Smoky Mountains, Smoky Mountains, Smoky Mountains. And then there was this guy in there all the time, kind of a sarcastic, kind of funny little guy. Uh, I don't know if he's little. I've never met him in person. Luke Carl, your husband. And so yeah, he kept, po- yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm 6'3", so he's big. He's big, yeah. And so, uh, and so I just, I thought, well, there's something to this. And then funny story is actually I was in another uh, Facebook page from military to millionaire. And I posted in there, I said, does anybody have rentals in the Smoky mountains? And nobody really posted on there. And then several months later, um, Justin mix, Jennifer Mix's husband, you know, of course uh, posted. He said, I, I have one or he had two at the time. And then Justin and I became friends. And so we talk a lot about it. And uh, then, is when, let me think about this. So then April of 20, I worked for a kind of a cushy utility and they merged and they had a buyout. And so I, I had gotten another job so I could have, you know, job history for financing. And I remember messaging you, um, on Instagram and I said, Hey, I said, this would have been probably June, May, June. And I said, what's going on out in the Smokies? And you said, it's still good. You said, People are, some people are nervous. They're not wanting to buy. Some of the sellers are getting nervous. I'm trying to tell them not to freak out. And I told you, I said, well, I'm, I'm ready to buy. You know, I turned the panic button to off and I'm ready to go. And so I basically uh cashed out a pension and some stuff from that buyout and uh, just went for it on that first one.
1: Right, and to add a little bit of color to that. So that was right in the middle of coronavirus, That. Uh, a lot of people were freaking out. Uh people stopped buying for about a month and a half, maybe 2 months in the smokies. I mean cuz they stopped buying everywhere. Uh people didn't know what was going to what was going to happen. And I did have five or six sellers panic at the beginning of corona or five or six past clients panic and want to sell and have me list their property. And so we did that and then they wanted to panic sell, but they didn't want to accept a panic sale price. So <laughs> things sat for a minute, and then you know things turned back around in the Smokies relatively quickly. Everything opened back up pretty quick, and the tourism just came back with a vengeance. And I think I got two and a half million dollars worth of listings pulled from me in one week because they were like, "Oh wait, never mind, we're back getting
0: <laughs> good and bad, right?" So. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was incredible. And and the funny thing about that first one was and it hit at the perfect time because um, it the appraisal came through and the appraisal came in a 40,000 low. And I thought, oh, I think this is bad. I don't really know. And I talked to Jennifer and she said, well, all we can do is, you know, see what they say. And and uh, the sellers ended up coming down 30. And then which, of course, means that um, I have to put up an extra 10. And I'm like telling Jennifer, Oh, I don't want to put up an extra 10,000. She's like, listen, I'm not going to talk you into it, but you're going to make your money back. And so I ended up doing it. It was the best decision I made. Uh, I got a smoking deal on it and it's just been great. But, you know, when you're sitting outside the circle and you don't know what's going to happen, you're a little more nervous about the money. But now that I'm inside, I'm like, so glad I did it.
1: Yeah. It seems like it's very easy for us to say, Jennifer, who is an agent on my team, and I, because, you know, we have a bunch of them. So it's, when you're new, it's like, Oh, well, Avery says, well, it's really easy for her to say, cause she's got a bunch of them, but you, it's, you do just kind of have to trust the process and trust the data and the, you know, tons and tons of other people who have been successful with it that you have access to. They're just right out there on, on the forums and on Facebook groups and things like that. And, um, it's, it does, it's not fun to have to bring extra money to closing, but sometimes when it's a really good deal, it's, it's worth it to get the deal done.
0: Yes, ma'am. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So tell me about your second short-term rental in the Smokies.
0: Okay. So, um, my second one, um, like I said, I bought the first one in July and the second one, we just closed on in into March. And the, and the reason why that one's incredible to me too, is, is, My wife, Jessica, she's been a stay-at-home mom since 2009. And of course, she helps me with the real estate stuff and life in general and being a military spouse is busy enough as it is, of course. But um, so she was, of course, on the title on that first one, and she was able to qualify for a mortgage on this second one based off of her income off of the first one, which is incredible to me. And that one, um, Jennifer Mix again. Contacted me and she had a client that, you know, I don't, for some reason, it hadn't been written out a lot. I think they'd had it blocked off for some reason for quite a while. And they said, well, we're just, we're not making money at this because we're not renting it and we want to sell it. And so she got a hold of me and i said yeah i'll I'll, we'll buy it i didn't know how we're gonna buy it but uh as you know true real estate investors you just what do they always say they say you know figure it out and that's what we did and i I remember talking to justin i go i don't know how i'm gonna buy this he goes well you got 30 days to figure it out i said okay here we go
1: (laughs) that's awesome and it's so the way that you get more deals is and this is going to sound really silly and elementary if you are nice to your agent, you will get the first call every time. So I know in the past when I've had a really great deal off market come across my desk, I'm not necessarily calling the person who I know has the most money. I'm calling the people that I like personally that have been nice yes. to me and have been easy to deal with. Not necessarily an easy transaction, but you know the people who have treated us like a person and not like you know a waitress at Waffle House. So um, it really is one of the best ways that people don't really talk about on how to get off market deals and how to get access to things is really just to be nice to your agents.
0: Yes. Yes. I I tell people that in your group on Facebook, you know, they're like, Well, how'd you do it? And I said, All I can tell you guys is is network with your realtor, treat them right, see how they're check in with them and see how they're doing. You know, hey, I'm sure you're busy out there, you know, just check in on them. You don't always have to ask them about, Hey, you got any cabins? You got any cabins? You got any cabins, you know? Um, and so yeah, with Justin and Jennifer, I mean, I'm just, they're my friends. Like I I care about them. You know, they, they helped change my life on that first one. And and even if I didn't get any more cabins from Jennifer, I, it doesn't matter to me. Like I, I just tell people that and I'll have people, uh, from real estate forums and groups, you know, they want to, they want to call me or whatever. I say, yeah, let's, let's talk. What do you want to know? And, and they say, Oh, I appreciate it so much. I said, I said, This networking thing, man, it's not like it everybody makes it to be. I just talk to people and I just make friends. And that's what I tell most of these people, if they're decent people, after I meet them once, I said, Hey man, I feel like I gained a new friend today. Call me anytime. And they're like, Wow. I'm like, I think that's the way it should be. Like, I'm not I don't have to need something from somebody all the time just to talk to them, you know.
1: Exactly. And I think networking just people go about it the wrong way so much. They're like, Oh, hello, Ryan, let's network. And (laughs) really all you have to do is is be a human being. Like, Hey, what's up? Tell me about this place that you got. I'd love to hear about it. I'd really like to do something like that and just be a real person and have a real conversation with people instead of making it quote networking. I almost hate the word networking because it makes people. I know. Yeah.
0: I always say, uh, I always say, uh, I like the chit chat. Uh, they call it networking in 2021, you know, so, but yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, back to your portfolio. So you have an eight unit long-term and two short terms. Yes, what, ma'am. Which ones do you like better? Uh, can you kind of compare and contrast the way that, that your portfolio has played out for you?
0: Yeah, for sure. And in my long term experience, of course, uh, maybe different than other people's, but, you know, mine is it's it's an eight unit. So it's considered, you know, commercial or it gets a, it gets uh, valued on the income approach. OK. And so for me, the exciting thing about my eight is, is we bought this thing, like I said, for three ninety and the owner had had it forever and it was ran down luckily it rained down in a way it didn't take us a lot to fix it up just running it correctly you know basically but he had this thing rented at um 3,900 for a uh, total gross rents and it appraised at an eight and a half percent cap i don't want to get too far in the weeds but um so that made it worth around 400,000 well since then we have raised the rents to 5,000 um they're going to be probably soon by june hopefully at 5,600 and really market is um six thousand dollars a month so then when you take that multiply it out by 12 and then divide that by eight and a half percent again what that essentially means is when it gets appraised again it's going to be closer to worth closer to six hundred thousand um, so what that means for us is is equity um, so depending on what you want to do we could sell it at that point in 1031 into something else we could do a cash out refi into something else um, and so it was a huge way to build wealth. Now, why I like the short terms is the cash flow is insane. Um, how fast you can make your money back. Uh, of course, there's appreciation too. You you couple that with debt pay down. Somebody else is paying your mortgage down for you. Uh, one, you're gonna build wealth if you hold these things. But of course, you're gonna you're gonna have a significant income as well. And for me, it only took one to, you know. I bought one and my case isn't always the same. Like I said, I had money off during COVID, but after one, I called myself, I think Brandon Turner calls it like level one financially independent or something like that. You know, there's different levels, but that's, that's my take on the long-term and the short term. Um, I jumped in at eight, so I'm probably not going to buy a lot of single family houses that aren't short-term rentals. Uh, that's just me, but that's my experience and how I feel about it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I love, I really love all my short terms because of how much money they make, but I do love my long terms too, just in a different way. And I, yes. I know a lot of people, I get the question a lot. People say, oh, well, if short term rentals make so much money, why don't you own 41 short terms instead of seven short terms and the rest long terms? And I'm like, well, because you need to have a diverse portfolio. You don't yes. necessarily want to go all in on on any one asset class. I mean, you can, and you'll probably be fine. But you know, just like anything, you want to have your hands in a few <coughs> a few different uh, different cookie jars. There.
0: Yes, ma'am, I, I I agree with that. You know, I think you yeah you can buy all STRs or you can buy all the LTRs. But my my goal is similar to yours is is to use the cash flow. To eventually get to a certain number of short term rentals. And then I will buy, I wanna buy apartments. That's just, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I want apartments. A lot of people think they're great. I think they're great too. And I wanna buy some.
1: <laughs> I do think they're great. We just <laughs> bought our first 12 unit multi and uh, yes. 1031 exchanging our very first property that we bought in 2016 in Nashville. Uh, our, that person's lease is up in July and we're gonna 1031 exchange into another multi and uh we're still buying short term rentals like I'm closing on one later this month or early next month but I really am I'm digging the multis lately.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah I I think you can you know it's like having more than one kid right you can love them both the same even if they're different. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hear that for sure. I've got two and one of them is super spicy and the other one is very sweet. I mean they're both sweet but they're opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: I know exactly how that goes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so let's back up a little bit and talk about how you financed each of these deals. So I assume mm-hmm. you did a commercial loan on the uh, apartment complex, but if you want to touch on that a little bit and then tell sure. me how you finance the short terms.
0: Yeah, sure. So on the apartment, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but yeah, so I took that $25,000 um, career starter loan and then my partner brought $25,000 and then we took a, um, small private loan from somebody that we knew for uh 20,000. And then our loan was, um, it's a commercial loan. And, and that's why I laugh whenever, um, sometimes people on the forum are talking about rates, you know, like, Oh, the rate on a investor loan for short term rentals, a four or a four two five, And you know, our rate is a, is a five, seven, five. Um, and it's a five year arm and we got them to do a 25 year amortization. Um, so that's what we, that's how we did the first one in the, my partner, um, he had already had properties up in that town and so he had a relationship with the banker already. And then, so I just had to go in there, you know, fill out the, your personal financial sheet like you do and, uh, talk to this guy a little bit and, you know, he could tell that I was, you know, a legitimate person. And then, uh, that's, that's how we did that. And then as far as the first short-term rental, um, Like I said, I'd taken a buyout and then got another job and it didn't pay as well. And so my DTI wouldn't allow for me to um, to qualify for the second home. So then we bought bought it with the 15 percent down. And then on the third or on the second short term rental, then we were able to qualify. Like I said, my wife was able to qualify for a 10 percent second second home loan on that one.
1: Okay, so you did one 15% conventional investment and then one 10%. So your income on the first short-term rental, your wife was able to use to qualify for the second one. Can you tell us a little bit about how that worked?
0: Yeah, so so they took um, the income and we started renting that first one July 28th and then all the way through to December 21st, or excuse me, December 31st uh, of that year. And they, they took you know, I had my PL from my bookkeeper. I turned that in. And then what they did was too, is any large expenses, um, you know, large one-time expenses, they were able to pull that back out. So it actually made a, uh, made the net number or the net and gross a little higher. <laughs> and, uh, basically it was no, it's no magic trick. Get my wife to qualify. It's just the, whatever the standards that the mortgage brokers use, um, Parker's who we went through on that one, the fir- or both of them actually. And she just did the worksheet uh, my, my tax advisor helped make sure everything was cool. And, uh, yeah, she qualified for it. So like, I thought it was kind of like a magic trick and and it's like, no, it's no magic trick. This is just the formula we use. And she either does or does not qualify and she does. And so, um, that opened up a big door for us for sure.
1: That's really awesome. And it's, there are some banks that will use short-term rental income to qualify and some that won't. So it just goes to show you the importance of shopping around and finding finding your way to yes instead of just letting one person tell you no and, and being done. And I want to back up a little bit again. I'm gonna stop saying back up because I've said it like four times. And now I'm conscious <laughs> about it. But um so let's talk a little bit about getting that commercial loan because I know mm-hmm. it can be difficult to find the right bank with a commercial loan. For example, uh, I was trying to buy just a single family, no no big deal, like $80,000 house, probably six months ago. And the bank wouldn't lend on it to me, but then the next <laughs> bank gave me a loan for you know almost a million dollars for a multi. So it really is who you know. And the yes. reason, even though i had no problem qualifying for that stupid little single family, uh, it was, who introduced me to the purse to the bank that lent on the multi-unit rather than I just found the one that didn't approve me online. So who, you know, and who introduces you really can make a difference because the person who introduced us, uh, you know, they had like, they have millions and millions and millions of dollars of loans with that bank. So that really makes a difference. How'd you find your commercial bank?
0: Yeah. So, um, it's in that same small town up there where we bought that eightplex, and my partner had done business with him. And so I go in there and he says, well, what's your name? I tell him Ryan profit. Uh, my dad's from up there. My dad's uh, been a bricklayer since, you know, Vietnam. And, uh, he goes, you related to Donnie. I said, yeah, it's my dad. He goes, Oh, I like your dad. My dad's kind of crazy. So it when he tells me he likes him, I'm like, well, that's a good sign. Cause he's, he's kind of crazy. But, um, and I said, yeah, I, you know, he wants to know what I'm about. And I said, I always tell people when they when they ask about me, I said, well, I said, hey, you know, I've been married 13 years. I've been in the ma- military for 20 years. Uh, I live my life based upon core values. Integrity first being the first one. It sounds kind of cheesy. To a lot of people, but we have core values and I actually, you know, live my life by them and take them seriously. And when you kind of give people that info and they, they talk, they can talk to you for five, 10 minutes they, they, uh, they can feel that you're telling the truth. And, and that's even like, you know, a lot of guys <clears throat> will try to get private lenders sometimes too. And then, and the, and the thing always is about a small bank, a private lender, like, yes, they need to know about the deal, but they're actually, they're, they're putting their money with you and they're going off of, of the trust. Of course they're backing it up by a deal too, but yeah, I, I think you just have to talk to them and get them to trust you. And then once, once that happens, you can build a relationship on that.
1: Absolutely. Being authentic is is so important. And you're right. They, you know, the bank is getting in the Ryan business. They're not getting in the the Ryan's investment business. Right.
0: Correct. I would agree with that
1: 100%. Yeah, I had another one. The building that I'm sitting in is mixed use, so the the first floor is commercial office space and then the top two floors are short-term rentals. And apparently, I didn't know this when we got under contract on this, but it's really difficult to get a mixed-use Oh. <laughs> and uh, we were able to get it done because the teeny tiny town that I'm from in Mississippi, there is a, a school called Mississippi State University there. It's an uh-huh. S school. Yeah. And we found this lender in Mobile that just happened to be, and by the way, Mississippi State has never won a national championship in anything. They're terrible at all sports. <laughs> I'm sorry, dad, if you listen to this, he's a huge fan, but everybody <laughs> who is a Mississippi State fan is like, hardcore Mississippi State fans. So this lender went to Mississippi State and gave me a loan because I grew up in Starkville on something (laughs) that was really hard to finance anywhere else.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. That's true though. That's the way it works. It is.
1: Yeah. And it's what's your interest rate on that? Because you touched on the fact that people are scared of commercial loans and they're actually less scary than conventional because you know they're not counting in some cases they are but in the cases that i'm talking about they don't really count towards your personal debt and it's really right. just like you know it's kind of the best way to go in a lot of a lot of scenarios
0: right and that one is um it's a 575 right now but the big the big squeeze for us now is like i said to raise those rents up and then find somebody else that will uh do a cash out refi and so uh that's that's what we're looking for right now and then then we just, after we get that done, we're going to be looking to buy something. I don't know what apartments or who knows what we're going to do, but we're going to buy some more stuff.
1: Buy more stuff's always fun. I always yeah. I always <laughs> <keep buying stuff. laughs>
0: yeah. I always tell my wife right now, I'm like, because I got other businesses I'm scaling up to. And I'm always like, don't worry, honey. We're in the building phase. I was like, we're going to calm down eventually. I was like, we're in the building phase. That's why we're so busy right now. It's going to get better, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. Well, Ryan, we are coming to the end of the podcast. So last three questions. So knowing what you know now, what advice would you give 20-year-old Ryan?
0: Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I've been in construction. And so we have, I've worked on a lot of houses, you know, done work. And I've been around people that are flipping houses um, and, you know, renting them out. I would say it's okay to do that. But find a way sooner in your life to if, if real estate's your passion, of course, find a way to get involved and own the houses and be the one, you know, hiring the people earlier in your life instead of making somebody else money, um, you know, and get your mindset right at an early age and don't ever let anybody tell you that you're too young to do something. If, if you got your mindset to it, just uh, get after it and don't let anybody stop you.
1: That is some really great advice. And um, so, what advice would you give a new investor at any age who's looking to get started today in the market the way that it is now? What what would you tell them?
0: Okay. So, what I would tell them is, and this is from experience, because like I said, you know, people right now, like especially the Smoky Mountains, it's crazy out there, right? And people are saying, well, I've been given 70 to 100 over, waiving inspection contingencies. I can't get a deal. Well, like I said, I got a deal. I had somebody call me about it. Um, you know, treat treat your realtor right out there. Always be on the hunt for deals and treat your realtor right. And if you do, the, the deal is going to pop up. And also, what I tell people out there, and maybe this is good advice, maybe it's bad. They say, well, it's 70000 above asking, this and that. Well, I say, all I look at is, I look at how much down payment can I afford? I look at what I think the monthly or yearly cash flow is going to be. And I look at how fast I'm going to get my down payment back. Um, And I don't have a hard, fast rule for how fast I need it back, but I would just evaluate it case by case. And if it meets those parameters, then I'm going to go all in on buying it.
1: That's solid advice. Look look at the numbers. Don't look at what somebody else paid for it or get caught up in because... I, I see a lot of people the way the market is right now not just in the smokies but everywhere looking at what the property most recently sold for well even if the property most recently sold 15 years ago or if it was two years ago that person's gonna have paid less money than you so right there's no reason to get caught up in that what you want to get caught up in is do the numbers work at the price i'm able to get it for and then don't get caught up in anything else just that question. And that's, you know, that's what's going to make or break you in this market.
0: Yes, ma'am. I agree with that.
1: All right, Ryan, last question. Uh, what's your favorite book that has impacted your mindset?
0: Uh, so a book that I've completed um, about mindset would would be, I like Extreme Ownership, uh, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Um, I'm sure... Most people have heard of it. You know, two Navy SEALs, Jocko and Leif are pretty big, pretty big uh, guys now as far as uh, podcasts and all that goes. But, yeah, just it's taking ownership. It's if something goes wrong is finding out and figuring out what you did wrong or what you can do better before you ever try to blame it on any outside circumstance. Um, you know, there are caveats to that. It can be outside your control sometimes, but even if it is, it's finding a way to learn what you could have done in your control to make it go better next time and just no excuses basically. And, and, and another book that I'm reading that's more of a business book and we talked about it in the beginning is uh, is the e-myth and that's really changed the way I'm looking at everything. Um, you know, it's big on working on your business instead of in your business. So yeah, those two books have definitely made an impact on me.
1: Those are great books. I actually haven't read extreme ownership yet. It's on my list though, because obviously investing is something that i'm interested in but my little brother is currently in buds training right now to be a name okay now
0: that's (laughs) badass yeah well good luck to him just you know i I would say luck isn't a factor just keep pushing if i was going to tell him you know i've never done buds training but obviously it's not easy so that's that's great
1: YouTube's of it and it does not look like anything i want to (laughs) do
0: yeah i'm good i'm good but hey good for him we need people like that for sure
1: Yeah, well, awesome. Ryan, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Uh, if our listeners want to get in touch with you and quote network, uh, where would they find you?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Facebook, Ryan Profit, P-R-O-F-F-I-T. And then I'm on Instagram as well. Uh, catchy name, Rye or Die, R-E-I or Die. Um, yeah, look me up. And yeah, I'd love to talk to you guys about anything. And uh, I love building the team. And, you know, I always tell people, hey, let's maybe we can take down some huge deals someday, you know, so.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and we'll catch you later.
0: All right. Thank you very much for having me.